Welcome to Fans of the Forge. I'm Chris. To my left, we have... You have Sean. To my right, we have... Teresa. And calling in via Skype, we have Michael Allenson, a.k.a. Knife or Death Season 1 Grand Champion. How's it going, man? Hey, guys. Going really well. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for getting uh, back to us uh, via Instagram there and setting this up. Uh, we're glad we could get this together. Um, we are pretty excited about Knife or Death. We've been following it since season one. Teresa was gung-ho in season <laughs> one. And um, I watched all of them for the most part as well. And we caught the, the finale and everything with you and... Uh, so now we're excited that season two has finally started and they've changed it up a little bit and are, are going a different route with how they approach it. And it seems to be working well so far. At least we think so. Um, last night's episode. Yeah. Yeah. I fell asleep real early last night. (laughs) Um, so what we'll do here is, uh, first we'll start off with your, Appearance on Forge and Fire, because you are a Forge and Fire alumni, as well as being on Knife or Death. You are on Season 3, Episode 3, The Butterfly Swords. Yep. And at the time, you had seven years of part-time experience. And you guys had to use brand new tools and some random old material to forge a signature blade. Correct. So... What's going through your head when you first see uh, what you have to use to make your blade? Well, my first thought was, okay, this won't be too hard. They open, you know, pull the cover off. There's a big pile of tools there. I'm like, all right, I can use maybe a piece of this, a piece of that. Oh, hey, the eye of the axe will be really good to just forge weld stuff into. And then Will grabs the giant trash bin and dumps all the steel on. And I think all of us had the same reaction, which was a what the... (laughs) (laughs) And he seemed to enjoy himself greatly throwing that trash can down there. (laughs) So that, that was when it became a moment of okay, now what do I do? And they let us pick and choose, and we tried to hope for the best. Right. So you had mentioned that uh, if you had won the episode, your goal at the time was you were planning on making a full suit of armor. Yep. Did you end up making a full suit of armor after the fact? Uh, well, I'm halfway done. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Better than nothing. Yeah, well, parts of it I also inherited from people, but yeah, the intention was to use the money to buy the tools to help me efficiently make a very fancy suit so that my fiance and I could have a period Renfair wedding in Renfair garb. Me in armor, her either in a dress or a suit of armor as well, whatever kind of seemed amusing at the time. <laughs> well, that's a pretty a, good idea. That's a pretty neat, Sean. <laughs> Take notes. Oh, all right, Sean's getting married sometime soon. Yeah, I don't know if I'll do a suit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> so, It'll be memorable but expensive. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I'll just borrow yours. <laughs> as long as you meet my dimensions, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, to finish off round one. Uh, you had some issues getting your billet welds to stick properly using the materials you had, um, but you did manage to make a small knife and finish it, and then you dropped your blade in the quench tank. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> that was a heartbreaking and kind of terrifying moment. So 
I quenched it once, actually, and it came out, and I was like, well, it, it's got a little woobleys to it. I'm not happy with this, so I put it back into the forge, straightened it up real quick, heated it up, and, I mean, we're down to the wire at this point. It goes in, and the barrel bursts into flames. They have it sitting right in front of the forge. It's already hot. And you add hot metal to it, and boom, mushroom cloud of fire. As I'm holding metal and leaning back as far as I can, it just it got too hot. My arm caught fire, and my hand opened, and in goes the knife. Oof. Oh, wow. That, it's a little scarier than they made it seem, yeah. I think. But, yeah. yeah. What they didn't show was me immediately after i'm taking both arms and i'm in the slack tub trying to cool them off because they're red from fingertips all the way up to my elbows wow. oh wow yeah and they also didn't show me diving into the big quench tyke in the back that everyone loves to dip their knives in to quench myself from each right. <laughs> <laughs> but no they didn't show that <laughs> but they did show something that we were very happy to see it, it was one of the first episodes that at least we saw somebody use a magnet to get a blade out of a quench tank after they dropped it i think it was the first time we saw it because we were like what that's a thing they can do that why doesn't everybody do that <laughs> well i had to kind of poach the magnet from in the shop i didn't have one on hand so it was whatever was in shop and one of their bars of mild steel in the back corner and, you know, slap them together, stick it in the bucket and stir around like a witch's brew, hoping I grab the knife and pull it out. And it actually took, I think, two or three attempts that they didn't show because all I know is it fell in somewhere and it's viscous oil. You can't see through it. Mm -hmm. Right. I think I pulled somebody else's knife out that might have lost it in a previous episode. (laughs) It was knife shaped. (laughs) And in the end, um, when it got to judging, your blade measured eight and a half inches, which was below the specs given. And unfortunately, from there, you then had to leave the forge. Yep. So that was your first uh, taste of the Forge and Fire franchise right there. And uh, But then you moved on, and you came back for Knife or Death Season 1. And you were in Episode 3. Teresa, do you want to run down kind of some of episode three here? Sure. All right. All right. So you had um, an oak shot longsword. Is that what you used? It's it's an oak shot is a typology and it covers a, a broad range. He's a guy who classified longswords back in the day. Um, they cut out the full detail because they sort of rambled on like a nerd with Travis for a while, as I <laughs> won't do. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's a long sword of the Oakshot typology. It's an 18B. How heavy was that? Whole sword's just over three pounds. Okay. Three pounds? See, okay, because it looks like it would be more than that to me. So that's actually interesting. It's always kind of hard to judge just by looking at something. Um, yeah. Did you know any of the other people, the competitors, beforehand? No, I didn't know anybody beforehand, uh, but fortunately I've made good friendships with most of the people since then. We all have our little uh, first 40 club where we kind of hang out. We meet up when we go to Blade Show, whoever's there. This time they invaded my booth, but last time we invaded Travis's booth in Atlanta. (laughs) Yeah, what was the hardest part of the night fight? Well, besides almost psyching myself out, I was most worried and I think had the most trouble on the ice block 
I mean, you're basically hitting frozen concrete at that point. It's just as hard and resilient. I was worried the blade was going to chip or bend or something happened. So I'm trying to chip at it and then like, well, I'm going to really hit at it. Well, maybe I'll, you know, I'm, I'm constantly readjusting and trying to do something different. And then what about dead run? What was the, the toughest part of dead run? <clears> That'd be a toss up between strike zone with the swinging bottles because you get one shot and mm-hmm. even being an inch off the water will flash off and totally miss putting that candle out even if you were in the right spot and cut it mm-hmm. and uh, i don't remember the name of the watermelon drop but that one was pretty tough because you get a a two or three count and it flashes to say it's going to drop it drops and then the next one starts there is oh. no waiting it keeps going and if you <laughs> uh-huh. miss it it's a penalty you missed it Oh, okay. I kind of wondered how that worked because I had originally envisioned that it seemed almost like you were running up to it and maybe triggering it to go off at a certain point rather than it's just like being timed from once the first one comes down. But that makes more sense to make it fair for everybody to go through it. Um, So in the... Super fast because they're much quicker like Jason and me, I'd be much slower the longsword. Um, so you had incurred one penalty on the stick and move with the bucket, wasn't releasing enough. And then when you got to, what's the, the last one called? Lifeline. Life is it Lifeline? Is... Okay. So did you know that the fish was eliminating so many people when you went to do that? I had zero idea it was a problem for anybody until I saw it air. But I did hear, because Goldberg is extremely loud when he's excited. <laughs> You know, I cut it, and I just hear him shouting, I stir the fish! (laughs) Cool, he's excited. It was fun. And then I watched the first season, I'm like, nobody can cut this. What is going on? (laughs) Um, So you made it to Dead Run. There were three penalties, one on Extinguisher, one on Free Fall. Wait, what's this note? But damn one fruit, and you didn't even miss it? Oh, that was my comment. So I said... (laughs) Damn, you missed one fruit on free fall, and you didn't even miss it. You did cut it. It just didn't cut to the red. Yeah, you uh. were supposed to go all the way through the rind into the actual red watermelon, and I thought I was fine because I felt it hit. I heard the watermelon splat and explode on my back as I'm moving on, and then <laughs> the episode airs, and they're like, yeah, he's got a penalty. No! <laughs> <laughs> Spectacular run, finishing with a time of 2 minutes and 51 seconds. Congratulations. <laughs> so then that brought you to the grand championship finale, episode six of Knife or Death season one. Sean, you going to run through that for okay. us here? So I have very little notes on this one because I'm going to say it right now. You fucking kicked ass, man. <laughs> so like you left me with very little notes to write because you just tore through these choruses. Yes. The first note is kicks ass. So uh, <laughs> zero Always penalties. A- oh. <laughs> um. The course was slightly updated, right? Mm-hmm. And um, did the additions to the course kind of make you any nervous or give you any trouble? It didn't give me any more trouble than the initial challenges. I mean, they basically doubled up um, three quarters, half of them or so. But I was nervous because I knew, well, the ice block is a big problem already. Well, now it's it's twice as much you've got to break through. So I'm like, well, you know, hopefully the sword holds up. Hopefully I hold up and... I almost didn't, but it did. And for Dead Run, 
you had zero penalties, and you won by just seven seconds. Yeah. That's pretty uh, pretty crazy. So were you able to see the the other guy do his run, or are you just kind of off? No, they don't let us watch each other's runs at all because it, it would be an unfair advantage. You know, if you watch somebody do a technique that doesn't work, you can immediately exclude that from your toolbox right. and pick something else. Mm-hmm. I had no idea he was that insanely fast until I saw it live. Yeah, and and he incurred, I believe, at least one or two penalties um, going through it as well. So that's just how fast he was. But then you, it was just so close at the end with his additional time and it. It was crazy. It was a really great ending to to the season. And uh yeah, and you pulled it through and you know, congratulations on your, your win for the the whole season. That was spectacular. It was fun. I, I really I'd do it again in a heartbeat for no chance at prize money just to take a sword to that course again. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of prize money, what did you do with the twenty K? I got some bills taken care of from expanding my shop, but I also took the chance to get a real power hammer for a change. Oh, nice. I was a little 25-pound little giant for years, which is slightly better than doing it by hand, but I picked up the 88-pound Anyang, and I can actually forge things seriously now. It's amazing. Awesome. Was there any prize money for the first episode? Or... Yes, you get, uh, I think it was two grand for winning an episode, and that gets you the placement in the finale. Oh, okay. Because they, they're mentioning that now in season two, and we weren't there's sure a, if they yeah, didn't like do a, it last a, season. or a cash prize or something they say, or I've heard them say now. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, it's something like that. I, I got it all as a, a lump because they waited until 30 days after so that you know nobody's running around with prize money, you know, skunking the results for everybody. Because oh, where did you suddenly get a whole bunch of money? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that covers uh, both episodes of Knife or Death as well as your Forge and Fire appearance. But we do have some other questions here. Sure. Um, so are you doing this professionally now, uh, bladesmithing? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm a full-time swordsmith and I do armor on the side mostly as a hobby cuz I enjoy it but I'm not really selling or making a lot of money with it. So my starting Yeah, you can, do, you can do whoever wants <laughs> to start reading these questions you can go for it. Uh, all right. So what is your favorite steel to use? I'm a big fan of plain carbon steels. Um 1075, 1084, 1095. That's what I used for my longsword for Knife or Death. Okay. Do you have a, a preference for handle material? Not particularly. Uh, I like something that's not going to explode over the course of use and abuse, but I've used uh, a pine core with hide glue and cord wrap on a traditional longsword just as much as I've used burl, you know, stabilized wood for a knife. If it works and it works, I'm happy. What is your favorite style of knife or blade to make? Um, that That's actually a really tough one because my initial instinct is just to say swords. <laughs> I, I really like the European long swords, but I also have a, a soft spot in my heart for Japanese blades. Uh, one of my teachers is a Japanese swordsmith. Oh, okay. Cool. 
What is your favorite non-blade item to make? Would you count an axe as a blade? Uh, I suppose you got a blade. It's got an edge. It's got an edge. It cuts. So then, yes, Sean. It cuts. It kills. I say go for it. Yeah. So, but it's not. So (laughs) the question is something else. Then not a blade that I like to make. So, well, axe is being thrown right out. there i'd say i actually enjoy making shields a great deal because you can shape the wood you can paint in details there's a little bit of dishing and embossing work for the metal plates and the bands around it it's just a way to combine wood and metal interesting yeah that's a good answer i like that (laughs) uh best beginner's advice hmm well, there's the cliche everyone gives, which is get it hot and hit it hard. But the <laughs> advice I really want to share to everybody is find as many teachers as you can and learn everything you can from them, even if it's just what not to do. Yes, that is good advice. We've heard that one. Yeah. Um, and we've been trying to take our, our uh, that advice to heart because we are aspiring to maybe be bladesmiths at some point um we're working on the possibility of having a forge hopefully soon but we've taken a few classes and uh uh well one class and then we worked with theo naz and that was a fun experience right so no more excuses we need to get this going saying, hey. <laughs> keep saying the same things because you haven't made much progress on the well <laughs> plenty of excuses you know, well, here's what's going on I'm in the process of tearing down a deck at my house so we could build a new shed at our house. Then I can convert my old shed into a forge. And so as a series of steps that's going to get to this point where I can then have an empty shed to put stuff in and start forging. But I have a time frame. I think it could be done by the end of the year. Get okay. and be out Because yeah, we're working. also coming upon New England winter. Oh, yeah. That's in. The- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who's, who's turn? It's right? yours. Oh, is it my turn? Okay. Um, Coal versus propane. Hmm. Well, I would say yes. I enjoy both. I like charcoal over coal, but I enjoy solid fuel and gas just as well. They each have their own reasons and purposes. Mm -hmm. What tool do you use the most often? Besides the power hammer, it's probably the hand hammer. It's used in shaping as well as straightening, and sometimes it's even just a weight to hold something down while you need to move around and grab another tool. Aside from armor, um, stainless or no stainless? I'm not a big fan of stainless personally. I know they've got some really good alloys, and there are some excellent makers doing stainless Damascus and knives out of these stainless alloys, but that's not my cup of tea. I prefer plain carbon steel, and if I can get a hold of it, good old-fashioned bloomery steel. Okay. Do you do any Damascus patterns yourself or any Damascus blades? I do quite a few. Um now that I have a big power hammer, I can actually forge billets successfully for anything longer than about a six-inch knife. Yep. I'm working on, I believe I have three blades welded up in various stages of pattern manipulation right now. So then leading from there, do you have a favorite Damascus pattern? Hmm. 
Well, I like mosaics just because you can sort of take the same pattern and evenly distribute it through. And the explosion of that is really nice. Otherwise, uh, I like feather in knives. It just looks very organic and just, I can't even describe it. I love it. It's beautiful. It's organic and it just flows. Yeah. With a good knife shape with that, the way the feather kind of, um, what's the word that I'm thinking of fans out a little bit as it goes up the knife. It, it they look really neat. I've seen a lot of cool feather patterns. Anyway, who's next? How was Blade West? It was good. I had a lot of fun, and it recharged my batteries. Plus, people really seemed to enjoy coming to the booth and taking photos. We had a a plate gauntlet and helmet, and then my sword from Knife or Death. So there are dozens of photos of people with a sword and a gauntlet, and they're (laughs) just grinning ear to ear. (laughs) That would be you. (laughs) Really fun to talk to people and educate them about that. And uh, do you take part in uh, any blade sports at all? I don't. I want to, especially after doing you know season one with a whole bunch of blade sports competitors. I'm working with uh, my runner-up from my first episode, James, and trying to get a blade sports school set up out here in Arizona. So we'll see if that you know kind of pans out. But now that it's winter, I think it's going to be a few months before we get that rolling. Yeah. Yeah, we we uh, we went to the grudge match down in Pigeon Forge a couple weeks ago and they had blade sports competition going on while we were there and got to see some of the the big uh, names, I guess, like uh, Big Chris and Joe Smith and a few of those other guys and and uh, ladies that competed. And it was really something uh, to see in person. That was the first time we saw anything like that in person. So uh, it, it got me like thinking and deciding i think i need to try that out too makes you want to start swinging something oh it totally does yeah um you guys got any other questions i don't think so Mm. no um okay that's all the questions that we got man um (laughs) do you have anything else you wanted to talk about while we got you well I don't know. Nothing pops to mind. Although you mentioned, you know, you went out to the grudge match. I was supposed to go. I had to back out. So if I could live a little vicariously through you for a minute, how was it? It was hot. <laughs> it was very hot. Um, well, he lives in Arizona, so compared- you, yeah, you'd be all right there. I think. Um, yeah, one hundred twenty in the shade is not an exaggeration down in the valley. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and you know, they had the stage set up with uh, all the the guys taking turns going up and competing against each other to make either like a blacksmith's knife or um, bottle openers. And uh, then, you know, there was a good crowd of people kind of flowing through for the days that we saw. But I would say we were as busy as most of the bladesmiths because we were tracking people down for interviews and stuff. We spent the whole weekend pulling people aside over to our booth or going to their booth and, and asking them questions and Um, but we did get, you know, we got to watch the blade sports competitions, which were awesome to see live. Like I mentioned, and, uh, the competitions themselves was great. And just hanging out with all those guys, which, you know, we, we had talked to a few of them prior, um, but getting to actually meet these guys and, and see them do some work. Like, uh, we, after dinner one night, we actually went to dinner with Josh Weston and Scott Thomas, uh, Mm -hmm. one evening. And then we walked back across the street and Scott 
started his forge up and was forging into the wee hours of the night. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting just to hang out and watch these guys work and, and everybody kind of shooting the shit while he's working on a knife at <laughs> 10 o'clock at night. And then that's all he did the next day. And, and it's he was all, you know, he he does everything by hand, so he had no power tools there. Power tools at all. And I, um, I'm on his way out to the grudge match. I was driving home, and we met up in Illinois at a mutual friend's house. And he had all of his stuff in the back of the truck. And he's like, yeah, I've got my entire smithy with me. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, grinding wheel, forge, hammers, anvil. It's like, wow, I wish I could collapse mine that well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool to watch him do everything, you know, by hand like that. And, um, yeah, everyone's just hanging out, having a good time. And it's uh, it's really it's really cool setup out there. Yeah, Robbie, Robbie uh, Bowman has a really nice place, Iron Mountain Metalcraft. So it was cool to get to check that out. And uh, it was a fun weekend, you know, and Robbie invited us to come back down next year. So we're going to have to fit that into the schedule, and maybe we'll see you there next year. I hope so. We'll stop by Dollywood. Oh, yeah. We, we didn't get time. a chance to see Dollywood or do the $10 helicopter rides or any of that good stuff. <laughs> Got a budget time for playing a little bit of tourist, for sure. <laughs> Well, that's it for the interview. So we just want to say thanks again for coming on with us and, and chatting about your appearances on all the Forge and Fire-related franchises going on. And, uh, again, congratulations on that win for Season 1. Thanks and, again. Yeah, everybody should follow you. You're Allenson Armory, I believe, on uh, Instagram. Oh, yeah. I tried to be real simple. I'm Allenson Armory, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever somebody tells me I need to go and promote myself. There you go. So if you follow him if you don't already and uh, check out his work. And, yeah, thanks again, man. We'll catch you soon. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It was fun. Right. Bye. Yeah.